dad was an engineer. He worked for the same company for 20 plus years. And that was the plan for me. I was going to follow in dad's footsteps. So when I was getting close to making my final decision on what I was going to do, it had come down to two different companies. I was either going to work for a technical sales company called Nalco Chemical, or I was going to work for Vector. And my dad, it was a no-brainer to him. Use your engineering degree and go work for these guys. So I come home from school to discuss things with my dad. One of the things I remember that he had written down as a pro for Nalco was security. And the con for Vector was risk in all caps. What my dad didn't understand is that my view of the world had changed because of Vector. I no longer wanted the safe, guaranteed path that had limited upside. I now saw that as risk. I didn't want guarantees. I wanted to have more upside. I wanted to be in a position where I could control my own destiny. A couple years later, my parents finally attended their first year in Bankwood, and my dad really finally got a sense of what the Vector Opportunity was all about and what we do for people. And I remember telling my dad, I hope you're not disappointed that I'm not an engineer. He's like, Scott, you are an engineer. You are engineering something far more valuable than a bridge or a chemical plant or a building. Scott, you're engineering people. Scott Dennis graduated with an engineering degree from the University of Notre Dame, and he has truly become one of the greatest engineers ever. Scott has helped engineer the lives of tens of thousands of people over his illustrious 30-year career with Cutco and Vector. By providing others with new skills, increased belief in themselves, and the inspiration to take action, Scott has truly changed lives on his way to building Vector's Eastern Region into a juggernaut organization of sales success and prolific development. Scott Dennis has truly become one of the greatest champions the Cutco world has ever seen. With his insights, you too can play like a champion. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Hello and welcome, everyone. I am here today with Scott Dennis, who is truly one of the most prolific achievers in the history of the Cutco Vector Marketing business. Uh, Scott is the Eastern Region Manager currently 
He went to college at Notre Dame. He was a college All-American, which is one of the top sales reps in the company among all students. As a branch manager, he was number one in the company. As a district manager, he was number one in the company. Broke the office sales record a couple times. And he has been a region executive now since 2002 in the business since 1990. Scott, it's great to have you here with me today. Dan, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. All right. Awesome. Well, let's get right in and talk a little bit about how you got started with Cutco and Vector. I know you were a college student at Notre Dame and just tell us a little bit about those early days. Yeah, you bet. So uh, you're right, Dan. I started uh, right after my uh, senior year in high school. It was uh, spring break, 1990. I was just trying to find a job that was better than the jobs I had the, the prior summers. I sat groceries at a grocery store. And so when I went into the interview and I saw the product and I saw that high guaranteed pay rate, the fact that it was a professional job, I was so excited to, uh, to be selling Cutco. And that was in March. And I remember going home. I was so excited and did not get that same response from my parents, uh, specifically my mom. And I remember her telling me, you know what, Scott, you can go ahead and do it. It'll be a good learning experience for you. But just for the record, Scott, I want you to know it's probably not going to work. And she kind of <laughs> gave me that little finger to say, and remember, I told you so. And uh, I interviewed in March, and I was scheduled for training in May uh, once I graduated from high school. And I'm sure that the managers are thinking, this guy's not going to show to training you know, two months later. But uh, they had given me an All-American scholarship brochure, and they had also given me a, a, a corporate directory. And so every night, I'm flipping through that brochure. I'm looking at the directory, and I'm thinking, wow, I want to be like these people. I want to work for this company. And so I miraculously showed up to training you know, two months later and uh, didn't get off to uh, the best start. I think that would be uh, an understatement. So my first weekend selling Cutco, uh, I just graduated from high school. I did seven appointments, and I'm all excited. And that first weekend, I did seven demos, and I made one whopping sale my Whoa. first weekend. So I was one for seven. I was, I was two for seven, Scott. Dan, you beat me. And, uh, and, and I, my one sale wasn't even a very good sale. It, w it was a tremor. I was one for seven for a tremor. And back in those days, you might remember, a tremor was only $31. So my first paycheck that I got from Vector, because you get 10% of that first check, was for $3.10. So that, <laughs> that was the first check I got from the company. What made it worse is back then they mailed the checks. And who was there to see me open the mail and look at that check? My mom. Your mom. <laughs> what did I see once again? That finger. I told you so. And, you know, I, I, I stole less than $1,000 in my fast start, but I saw other people that were having success. And that gave me hope. And my managers didn't give up on me. And I was a workhorse. I kept doing the demos. I just kept following the program. I did 15 to 20 appointments just about every week that summer. I kept going to team meetings. I got invited uh, to a conference. And I just got better at the job and I eventually got recommended into a better clientele. And despite that terrible start to the summer, uh, I finished uh, the summer as the top rep uh, in my office uh, that summer of 1990. And, uh, you know, the following three summers, as you referenced, Dan, I was fortunate enough to be an All-American Scholarship winner and led the region in sales and just a real testament to the power of the vector program that no matter how you start, if you just stick with it and you follow the program and as managers, if you don't give up on your people, uh, the program is eventually going to work. So, uh, Dan, I'll, I'll say this too. My Cutco through college experience, because uh, I was all four years of college, I worked uh, for vector. It was truly 
a transformational experience for me. I remember vividly my, my training seminar, just how shy I was and how uh, uncomfortable I was simply getting up in front of the training class and introducing myself. I remember my face getting red and my face getting hot and uh, to think that I was able to come out of my shell, really, thanks to this opportunity and really discover a, a side of myself that I didn't even know existed through appointments, through speaking at team meetings and later at conferences. And then eventually, uh, while I was in school, I got a little bit of a taste of management uh, as an assistant manager and later as a, as a pilot sales manager. That's outstanding, Scott. You know, there's so many parallels to what you just shared with some of the things I can relate to. Like my mom laughed at me when I came home from my interview, and and I also would have considered myself to have been very shy back in the day. And and I just think that what you've shared speaks to the incredible power within every individual that oftentimes they don't see, and people need an environment that can bring that out. And uh, we're not the only environment that brings that out, but we're certainly one of them and uh, have created that uh, a place where people, you know, have that chance to truly realize the potential that they have. So you graduated from Notre Dame. You were an engineering major. Is that correct? Uh, Chemical engineering. That's right. Chemical engineering. And I heard uh, the claim that you got more job offers when you graduated from Notre Dame than anybody else in your graduating class. Now, is that true? And how do you feel like that occurred? Well, that, that's close to being true. And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll clarify that. So you're, you're correct. I graduated with a chemical engineering degree from Notre Dame and really demanding major, uh, chemical engineering. And uh, there were only 45 chemical engineering students in my, my graduating class. We started with about 150 and they weeded us out to down to about 45. Uh, my GPA was really middle of the road. I had a 3.3 GPA. I was ranked 23rd uh, out of 45 in the class. What happened, Dan, is I ended up getting more job offers than anyone in my engineering graduating class in, oh, in 1994. So out of all the wow, that's uh, cool. different engineering majors, and it, it definitely wasn't because of my grades. That 3.3 ranked in the middle of my class certainly wasn't the reason why. It was really this remarkable resume that I was able to compile working with Vector uh, to have sales and management uh, proven ability while still in school. And I had fellow classmates that had much better grades. They were more uh, intelligent than I was in engineering. Many of them had engineering internships. Some of them were in study groups. And frankly, they helped me get through it. They helped me graduate. And here I was the one getting the job offers, not them in a lot of cases. And what really separated me was having a technical degree, but also the proven ability to perform in sales and management. That's just a really rare combination to find. And during interviews, I had so many real life work experience that I could draw upon in my interviews that just, I think, really helped me separate uh, from my peers. And that's what Vector provides. I know we're not the only place that provides it, as you mentioned, but my goodness, we provide a platform for people at an early age that most people don't get a chance to experience until much later in life. And I think that was really uh, what separated me, Dan, and created opportunities that otherwise I never would have had. Yeah, uh, undoubtedly, sales is an incredible proving ground for successful people. And, you know, one of the things that I've told people about the Vector opportunity is that working in Cutco and Vector exposes you. It exposes you for your level of skill in areas that are practical for life. And, 
you either are proven to be really good or it's proven that you have a lot more to go and a lot more to learn. And for most people, it's both of those That's right. know, kind of combined. And it's, it's just so great for a young person to get that exposure happening when they're 19 or 20 or 21, as opposed to, you know, when they're 25 or 30 or out there in the quote real world. Now, so among all these offers, you decided to choose vector marketing as your first career after college. And, um, you know, at what point did you know this was something you wanted to do as your first career? No, to be perfectly honest, after my last summer working with Vector, I was the pilot sales manager that last summer. As much as I'd enjoyed my experiences in sales and in management with Vector, I, I really thought I was done as I, as I returned to school for my senior year. I'm thinking that was a great chapter for me. Now it's on to the next thing. And I, I think a good thing is I didn't close any doors with Vector. I at least kept the doors open. But I figured I've got a chemical engineering degree. I've got, I'm graduating from a great school. I worked really hard to get this degree. Uh, it's time to use that. And I'm sure there's going to be an awesome opportunity for me, either in engineering or technical sales or some type of uh, financial sales. And that really proved to be true. Uh, there were a lot of great opportunities that I was presented with. What happened is as I started to compare my three to five year opportunity with these other companies, with what I could create here with Vector as a DM, and maybe down the road as a division manager, I just couldn't find anything that compared uh, to what was here. And on top of that, as I really dug in to what I would be doing on a daily basis, I did some cross training with some other companies and shadowed other salespeople. Nothing really tugged at my heartstrings. There wasn't anything that I was really getting passionate about. And I think one of the reasons, Dan, I got so many job offers was I just kept searching. I kept looking. I kept interviewing. And I just couldn't find anything that excited me the same way I got excited about my Vector experience. And then at one point, I'm on this job interview, and the recruiter was asking me about my Vector uh, experience. And I'm telling him some stories. And at, at one point, he stops me and he goes, Scott, can I ask you a question? And I'm like, of course. And he's like, Scott, why... Are you even here? He's like, why, why are you even here interviewing with me? He's like, what we have to offer, it doesn't come close to what it seems like you have there. He's like, Scott, you light up like a Christmas tree when you talk about this vector place. You're obviously pretty good at it. Why don't you just work for them for a while? And that was the first time, Dan, on any of my interviews that I didn't have an answer for a question. I was, I was stumped. I was speechless. And it really hit me that, you know what? I, I need to quit searching. What I really wanted. All along, it's right here in front of me with Vector, the people, the opportunity, doing meaningful work, the income potential, the freedom and flexibility to, to be in charge of my future. So I finally came to a revelation through all that uh, interviewing that this was my place here in Vector. Wow, that's a great story, Scott. What did your parents think at this point? <laughs> well, you, you can only imagine, you know, mom and dad uh, supporting me through this, uh, this expensive uh, private school education. My mom was pretty supportive. It was really tough for my dad, though. My dad was an engineer. He worked for the same company for 20 plus years. And he really had pushed me down the engineering route, thinking that that was the safest path. 
And that was the plan for me. I was going to follow in dad's footsteps. So when I was getting close to making my final decision on what I was going to do, I remember I, I came home for spring break and was going to deliberate with my folks about my decision. It had come down to two different companies. I was either going to work for a technical sales company based in Naperville, just outside of Chicago, called Nalco Chemical, or I was going to work for Vector. And this company, Nalco, had given me really an awesome offer. I found out later it's one of the better offers that they'd ever given a, a college grad. And my dad, it was a no-brainer to him. I mean, use your engineering degree and go work for these guys. So I come home from school to discuss things with, with my, my dad, and he was totally ready for me. He'd done his homework. He'd done his research <laughs> on both companies. And he had this piece of paper where he took a, a line and drew it right down the middle of the, of the, of the sheet. He kind of did the old Ben Franklin clothes on me, where he had on one side, had Nalco and all the pros and cons. The other side, Vector, all the pros and cons. And as you can imagine, a lot more pros for Nalco, a lot more cons for Vector. And one of the things I remember, I still have the piece of paper, actually. One of the things I oh, remember, wow. yeah, that he, he had written down as a pro for Nalco, one of the words he put down, like all capital letters, was security. Hmm. That, that's what he put down as a pro. And the con for Vector was risk in all caps. And see, what my dad didn't understand is that my view of the world had changed because of Vector. I, I no longer wanted the safe, guaranteed path that had limited upside, I, I now saw that as risk. In my mind, that was a risk for my future. I didn't want guarantees. I wanted to have more upside. I wanted to be in a position where I could control my own destiny. So this conversation went on for several hours. And ultimately, my dad, he saw where I was at. He took his pen. And under Vector, he wrote down happy. And under Nalco, he wrote down sad. And so even oh, though... <laughs> how powerful. Yeah. Even though it wasn't the decision that he would make, you know, as a good father, he recognized that, hey, we're different people. And ultimately, I was going to be happiest working for Vector. And I, I'll just throw this in there that what was kind of neat a couple years later, my parents finally attended their first year in Bankwood and our team uh, was being recognized. We'd won a couple of silver cups. And my dad really finally got a sense of what the Vector opportunity was all about and what we do for people. And I remember telling my dad, I said, Dad, I, I hope you're not disappointed that I'm not an engineer. And he's like, Scott, you are an engineer. Uh, you're engineering. I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. He goes, you're, you are engineering something far more valuable than a bridge or a chemical plant or a building. He's like, Scott, you're engineering people. And that was, that was a pretty cool moment to have my father give his approval uh, of my decision after, you know, I chose to go a totally different direction and, uh, and really be my own man. So that, that's kind of how that all came about. Scott, that is a powerful story. And I get choked up listening <laughs> to what you just shared right there. I love how you said your view of the world had changed during your Cutco Vector experience and, and just uh, evaluating the fact that risk truly is dependent on your own effort and your own skills. The level of risk, at least, was dependent on your own effort and your own skills. And you knew you were highly skilled. You knew you were willing to put in the work. And therefore, that mitigated virtually all of the risk. That's right. Um, exactly. So, and provided you more opportunity. Wow. That's incredible. So you referenced that you were what's called the pilot sales manager, which is like the right-hand person in the division manager's 
sales office. So the, since the division manager has a lot of other responsibility, you were like the person that ran the day-to-day operations. And was this in Kansas City? That was in Kansas City uh, the summer before I graduated. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. With Kevin Gardner, is that right? That's right. You got it. Yeah. Outstanding. Shout out to Kevin. So you graduated ninety uh, four. And you became a branch manager first, which was the typical path for people back then. I understand that you, I remember you were the number one branch manager in the company that summer. And then you became a district manager, which I guess would have been the fall of 94. So now we move on to 1995. It's your first full year in the company. And not only were you the number one district manager, but I can remember in 1995, you were in your first full year. I was in my third full year. We were both striving to break the million-dollar mark as a district manager, which uh, no one had ever done. Amar DeVay held the record of like 990-something. I don't know how he didn't get to a million, by the way. But we both got there, but you got there first. You got there around Thanksgiving or beginning of December, and I got there on the very last day of the year. And you were the champion district manager uh, your very first full year as a manager. And I know that you, you you broke the office record. Uh, the year after that, or a couple years after that, you, it was the year after that, 96, you broke the off, you shattered the all time office record. Uh, you broke it again and you truly experienced a level of success right out of the gate as a manager that is virtually unprecedented in the company. And I'm interested in, in asking you about what do you feel like were the keys to fast success in your career? And, you know, what are some things that other people might be able to emulate to, to, you know, to move up fast in whatever career they're in now? Yeah, I remember those days fondly with, uh, with us competing back in the mid-90s. I think there are several things that, uh, as you asked this question, that, that really hit me. You know, you mentioned uh, Kevin Gardner, and that, that's where I'll start. I was blessed with a, a really strong upbringing in the business. I got a chance to work side-by-side with Kevin. And he was regarded as one of the best recruiting minds in the company. And so I got a chance to partner with him and observe him and shadow him uh, that summer. Not even knowing that I was going to become a manager with the company, uh, I still made the most of that opportunity to learn everything I could from Kevin. And so what I found is when I became a branch manager and then a, a young district manager, I would find myself doing things at times and I would catch myself and I would be like, how on earth? Did I know to do that? How did I know to say that? How did I know to handle that situation the way I handled it? And it's because I just, I absorbed so much and soaked so much in from Kevin that uh, things just came naturally to me because I really made the most of, of that opportunity with him. I really soaked that up. And the learning did not stop once I became a manager. I think sometimes we talk about our training as if it's limited to just that time before you open an office. But I always had two or three key programs that I was personally working on in my business during the fall and the spring, so I would be better at my craft the following summer. I remember wanting to become a better training because my training pop wasn't that good, and watching Dave Durand training videos. He was top division manager at the time, later a region manager. Uh, I wanted to refine my interview. I remember one fall, just feeling like it could, could be better. I remember listening to audio cassettes we had back in those days of Mike Lancelot and his interview trying to perfect that. I wasn't happy with our PDI program. And I remember, you know, creating a a PDI video uh, that ended up being watched by by many people that that really helped my district get better at that key program. And I think this is a big point that a lot of times when we we talk about growth, 
Uh, we focus on personal growth, which I think is very important. Reading books, attending seminars, uh, listening to audios, and that, that's key. But sometimes what's missed is the growth that comes from really working on your craft and getting better at your programs. And I really, I took that really seriously uh, during those early years. I think another uh, key for me, Dan, uh, when I think about the, the, that early success is I had a really strong, unwavering conviction in the sales rep position. Uh, mm. Strong, really strong. I mean, I paid the majority of my tuition at Notre Dame by selling Cutco. Uh, I wrote checks to that university six semesters in a row for over $10,000 a semester. And it all came from Cutco, every penny of it. So I had this deep-seated passion for the selling opportunity, for the skills that you can learn through sales, because I saw what it did for me, the, the impact that selling at 30, 40, and later 50% could make on a young person's life. And because I believed in it so much, I wanted it just, I wanted it badly for my people. And so I fought for my people's success. I didn't let them give up on the opportunity or give up on themselves because I wanted them to experience in their life what the Vector Opportunity had experienced for me. And I ended up having a lot of sales reps and a lot of top FSMs early that I think was uh, abnormal because I had such a passion for, for the FSM opportunity. Eventually, I developed that similar passion for the branch manager opportunity and that conviction in my core that there's not a better opportunity for a student, not a better experience than to be a branch manager uh, and that everyone should have that experience. And I think a lot of times we see a manager struggling with rep retention or promoting branches and we think it's a technical issue. And I have found more often than not, it's a belief issue. Hmm. And I really believed in what I was offering with, uh, with personal sales opportunity and then also with branch. I think another key, Dan, too, for me specifically, uh, it was just commitment. I, I fully burned the boats. <laughs> I mean, I was 100% in uh, as a manager. And, and part of it's because I had turned down so many other offers to do this that when I decided to do this, I was all in. There was no looking back. There were no what ifs. And there was no other option for me but to give this my all and to succeed at a high level. And one thing that I developed uh, as a sales rep and also as an engineering student was my work ethic. And so those first two or three years, I really sold out and I made the business my first love, knowing that uh, if I did, I gave it my all, I would reap some real rewards in the future. I know a lot of people are on a quest for balance and I was not on a quest for balance as a brand new manager. I knew that that could come later. I was on a quest for excellence. I was on a quest to build my career. So I threw myself fully into my business. I poured into my people. And you know what? It meant that I worked a lot, but it didn't feel like work because it was my business and it was my people and it was my future that I was building. And one of my favorite sayings that kind of goes along with this is, are you going to choose pleasing methods or are you going to choose pleasing results? Pleasing methods or pleasing results. And I really... I chose pleasing results uh, a lot, which meant really working hard in the early stages, uh, but it really paid off. Wow. There, Scott, there's so much good stuff that you just shared right there. Just starting with the, the power of association and you getting to be around a leader that was helping you move in such a positive direction. The importance of ongoing learning and, and the fact that you continue to work on your craft. I can remember listening to your tapes about PDI, <laughs> Scott. 
for anybody outside Vector, PDI is the personal daily interaction that a manager has with their salespeople. It's a daily phone call, a daily, some sort of daily meeting or interaction that managers have to continue developing and nudging their reps forward. And I can remember studying that element of the business from you. And then you talked about the belief in the opportunity. And I think that for anybody in sales, belief in what you're selling is the core need, the core like foundation to be able to be successful. And so many people I think succeed as Cutco sales reps because we know the knives are awesome and you know people love it and that's well documented, you know, thing that people realize right coming into Cutco. But your belief in the branch manager opportunity sure helped you develop so many young managers. And um regardless of what field somebody's in, they they have to have that strong belief in what they're doing. And and that was born from your own results, which was great. And then of course, uh, you know, the the commitment side is critical. And I've noticed in a lot of people in Vector and Cutco that they don't necessarily have that right away. Some never develop it and they end up leaving and others have like an experience where they realize, man, what am I doing? I'm wasting my time. I need to actually put my best into this. And and it's like an aha moment where they realize like, all right, it's on now. And uh, the lights go on and they become great. So it was cool to hear that stuff. You've worked with some incredible individuals, Scott, in your organization that you've been developing over the years. Of course, uh, you know, you've got Jeff Gamboa in your organization who is widely known. At the same time, already a legend, but yet completely on the rise in the company. And I'm sure he's somebody we'll have here on the on the podcast at some point soon. I want to ask you about two others in your organization who I think are prolific achievers and uh, are interesting characters as well uh, that you could share about. I want to ask you about Larry Manley. Larry is a longtime veteran of the business, division manager in North Carolina. And I want to ask you about Andrew Evans, who is on the other side of the spectrum, brand new manager, just graduated from college a year ago, and is already, you know, one of the top uh, managers in the company right out of the gate. He's sort of on your track that you were on years ago. And I just want to find out from you, what are some of the strengths of these guys? What are some of the habits? Anything people could learn from that applies to those guys? Maybe start with Larry. Okay. And uh, talk about him a little bit. Oh, Larry Manley. And we affectionately know Larry as the legend. Larry uh, Legend. In, in the Eastern region, right? Uh, Larry, uh, hands down, he is one of the greatest developers of people that our company has ever seen. When I consider his track record, he's promoted six division managers uh, personally wow. uh, that uh, he's developed uh, to take someone from the sales rep position to branch to full time district all the way to division manager is really an incredible accomplishment. And nobody's ever done that at the division manager level, promoted six other division managers that I know of. I think you're correct with that. And and half of our division manager team in the Eastern region, they were promoted by Larry Manley. So he's also consistently one of the top producers in the company. I've often said that if my kids were going to sell Cutco, and they will at some point, and I could just pick one manager to trust my kids with, how could you not pick Larry Manley? Not only would he help them mm. do great at the job, but uh, he would be a phenomenal father figure to them and, and really impact uh, their lives. That's a high compliment. Definitely. When I think about what makes Larry so great, uh, gosh, he just genuinely cares about people. When when Larry asks how you're doing, he actually wants to know. It's, it's not just 
conversation. He, he really cares. And it's not just about CPO with, with Larry. He operates with the mindset of, if you take care of your people, the business will take care of you. And, and he takes care of his people and his people love him because they know he has their best interest at heart. Larry is awesome at connecting with people, uh, not just in the business, but outside the business. I've never seen him interact with a waiter or a flight attendant or a blackjack dealer and not have them <laughs> smiling. <laughs> he, 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 just, he just takes a real interest in everyone that he encounters. And part of it is Larry just, he treats people with respect. Uh, he treats people with dignity. And even though he's highly successful, he's very accomplished, his nickname is The Legend, he's still humble and he's down to earth and he sees the value in every human being. He doesn't look at someone's status or their title. Larry also, he, he appreciates the business. Uh, he appreciates what he has. He came from a humble upbringing. And so he has a deep appreciation for what this opportunity can do to change someone's life because it's changed his life so much. One of the things that I love about Larry that I think really makes him a great developer is he sees people not for who they are now, but really for what they can be in the future. And he just, he's so good at recognizing talent and potential early in the process. I hear Larry so often say, you know what, Scott, I can see that manager as a division manager someday. And sometimes you're like, really? But Larry sees that. He'll see, a, he'll have a new rep and he'll say, she's going to be a district manager someday. And because of his belief in people, uh, Larry's willing to do the, the hard work and have the tough conversations and really pour into them and develop them and really grow as people. And I think, Dan, about the division managers he's promoted, every single one of them at one point has had some type of struggle that they've encountered. They've had challenges. There might have been moments where we, we weren't sure they were going to make it in the business, but Larry's belief in them uh, really got them over the hump. And the one last thing I'll say about Larry that I think makes him a great developer is, is he just loves to have fun. Uh, you can't be around Larry and not have a good time. And uh, if you're in a position where you're having fun and having a blast while working, uh, that is awfully attractive to people. And that's what Larry's been doing every day uh, for the past 31 years of, of his great career. Wow. Knowing Larry, what you just said really resonated with me. And I just got to thinking about how many people who are leaders, whether in Vector or somewhere else, they're leaders, but they're not fully tapping into their potential as leaders. And they're not helping everybody that's in their organization to become what they truly can. I'm sure that uh, I could say I've been, I put myself in that category from time to time where I just, I could have helped somebody more than I did. I could have been even better for somebody than I was. And Larry just seems like he's one of those guys that has so much care and so much interest and just deeply ingrained inside him that, you know, he really brings the best out of everyone. And I think there's some instructive lessons in that concept for a lot of young people. You ready to talk about Andrew? Sure. Yeah. So Andrew, just for context for anybody listening, uh, he's 23 years old at mm -hmm. this point, I think. He's been in the business for about five years or so, maybe six, and started right out of high school. And while in college, he was the number one branch manager in the company two or three times, two times, I think, and shattered the all-time national branch record, basically doubled what you know you and I did as branch managers, and then became a, graduated from Florida State, became a district manager, and immediately just crushed it as a district manager right, right out of the gate, one of the top 
managers in the entire company, you know, right in his very first, uh, his first year. So uh, what are some of the qualities that have made Andrew uh, into such a great young leader? Yeah, you're right, Dan. What Andrew has accomplished at this stage in the business, it, it's remarkable. It really is. And I think uh, because he came out of nowhere and produced such over-the-top results, uh, what gets lost in his story is the tremendous work he spent laying the foundation for those sensational performances. Uh, what, what gets missed is the fact that you know, he worked as an assistant manager for a summer before he branched that first time. Uh, the fact that his first branch did pretty well, but it didn't win a silver cup, and he only did one-sixth of what he would do the third time that he ran. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that part, you know, is, is sometimes, a lot of times it's lost in, in his bio, understandably so. And so there was a summer as a rep. There was a summer as an assistant. There was a summer as a branch that produced a $300,000 branch, which is still really strong. And then the summer after that, he produced his record-breaking branch results. But it was that buildup of multiple summers and lots of learning in between those summers uh, that led to this phenomenal performance. You know, you mentioned uh, his division manager, Jeff Gamboa. We, Jeff and I talk a lot about Andrew and just, you know, what uh, makes Andrew so special. And, you know, as we together uh, uh, evaluate Andrew and observe him, uh, it starts with the time and energy he has put into mastering the basics. And that's what he did. He mastered the basics. He didn't try to reinvent the wheel. He didn't try to change any programs. He wanted to have a, a complete understanding of philosophy, of programs. And then he was able to innovate and improve programs and do it effectively because it, it started from a strong foundation. And I think that's a, a big key to his success. When I think about Andrew, one word that always comes to mind is curiosity. He is very curious. He wants to know why. He, he doesn't just run the program. It's, I want complete understanding of this program. I want complete understanding of your philosophy on why you do it this way. Andrew has a tremendous hunger as well. He, even with all of his unprecedented success, he doesn't allow himself to get satisfied. I run uh, conference calls for uh, our top district managers, and he's out shipping all of these district managers by a pretty significant amount. But who's the most engaged person on those calls? Who's the one taking the most notes? Hmm. Who's the one asking questions? It's Andrew Evans. Wow. Uh, he's just, he has a growth mindset. He's, he hasn't allowed himself to feel like he's arrived, which could really be tempting for someone in Andrew's position. He's got tremendous capacity, Dan. Uh, he's, he's part of his, his experience with Cutco. But, you know, along with uh, being a branch manager, he was president of his fraternity. Uh, he had a business on the side. He even went district uh, while he was still in college and the president of this fraternity. And so that pushing the limits on his capacity uh, has allowed him to, to take on more. And, and he thinks bigger. He thinks differently than everybody else. Uh, and he works hard. That's the thing that uh, we don't want to hear. We want to hear that secret sauce. And he's got tremendous work ethic that he, he brings to the table. Yeah, wow. The element of curiosity that you described is so fitting to think about for a young business person, for any business person that wants to develop their skills and to become great at what they do is that curiosity to understand, you know, why the leaders that they're following are doing what they're doing and develop that depth, as I like to call it, and true understanding of their business and, and of life. That was awesome. And, and I think that Andrew 
he fits what you talked about in terms of the, you know, pleasing results versus pleasing methods and, you know, is willing to work hard as a young person to uh, move himself more rapidly up. One of my guests on the podcast was uh, Andrew Bosworth, who is uh, one of the top executives at Facebook today. And um, one of the nuggets Andrew shared was that he optimized for the steep learning curve in his life. He optimized for the steep learning curve. And that what, what that means in Andrew's case might be, Andrew Bosworth's case might be a little different than what it means for Andrew Evans. But for Andrew, it's the hard work, it's the curiosity, it's the hunger that you described. And that putting all those things together is uh, you know, made for a, an incredible young executive. Scott, what are some other valuable lessons you feel like you've learned from your Vector experience that you try to impart upon your people that you're working with? You know, I've referenced several of those things already, uh, but some additional themes that we, we talk about a lot that I, I talk about a lot. I, I learned from my original region manager, a gentleman by the name of Martin Dimitrovich, uh, the simple concept of do a little more than you have to. Do a little more than you have to, whether it's preparing for a meeting or making phone calls. Maybe the goal was 10, get 11 booked. You know, maybe it's even running on the treadmill. You're going to run for for 20 minutes, run for 25. Do just a little more than you have to at everything you do. And that extra 5 or 10% effort repeated over and over again uh, just becomes a big difference maker. And that's, that's what separates uh, the champions. Uh, that, that's one theme. You know, another theme that uh, we talk about a lot with, uh, with our team is you've got to go out of your comfort zone to grow. And there's so many opportunities here at Vector to go out of your comfort zone. I remember for me, just making that first phone call was, was going out of my, my comfort zone. That first demo, then it was the first phone call to a recommendation. That, that was a different world. Uh, then giving my first speech at a Vector event, uh, running an interview for the first time. And that, that's why I love the branch opportunity so much and why I think everyone at some point in life should be a branch manager because it forces you out of your comfort zone to do things you would normally never get a chance to do. We talk a lot about failing forward, failing forward. And Vector has totally changed my view of failure. Uh, before Vector, I, I feared failure. I did everything in my power to avoid failure, whether it was over-preparing or just not trying new things because I didn't want to fail. And Vector has taught me that failure can be a good thing and you can actually fail forward and use your failures and use your disappointments as a learning experience to grow stronger. I think I'm, I'm a perfect example of that. I went one for seven uh, my first weekend uh, selling Cutco and used that as fuel to uh, still be successful. We talk a lot about what overcoming adversity can do for you. And I tell our people all the time that you know, you're going to definitely face adversity in life. You're going to face adversity in, in business. The question that I ask is, will you let adversity define you? Or will you let your response to adversity refine you? Will you let mm. adversity define you? Are you going to let your response to adversity refine you? And there's such an opportunity to be forged and refined into a better version of yourself when you attack adversity head on and you overcome it. And just recently, Dan, it's, uh, it's great to explore new concepts and tap into new lessons. Mike Muriel referred, uh, Mike Muriel is our region manager in the central region. He uh, referred a book uh, to me called Positive Intelligence uh, by uh, Shirzad Shamin. And he talks about winning the battle in your mind. And there's this ongoing dialogue that goes on in our minds all the time. Uh, some of that dialogue is constructive. Unfortunately, some of it is destructive. And the destructive voices 
are defined in the book as saboteurs because they're trying to sabotage us from having success and reaching our true potential. As an example, we have the, the judge is this voice that's finding fault in ourselves and other people. Hmm. Uh, there's the controlling voice that urges us to, to take charge and, and maybe control people. There's the victim that wants us to be emotional and to feel sorry for ourselves. Uh, there's the avoider that wants us to procrastinate. And there's many other voices like this. And the key that we've learned together as a team uh, over the last couple of years is to increase your awareness when you hear these voices, to actually label these voices, that those voices are not you. Uh, they're not you. They're, they're your saboteurs. And you can proactively shift the conversation that's taking place away from those voices to something positive. You look for the gift in whatever situation that you're in. So I know Robin Sharma calls this, and Robin Sharma is the, the personal growth guru. He calls it fireproofing your mindset so that no matter what happens, you're not thrown off of your game. And uh, it's a lot of fun imparting these lessons uh, to our people, to our team. And as a parent now, uh, I have three children with a fourth uh, on the way. It's a blast sharing these lessons uh, with my family. I feel like uh, I'm raising better kids because of a lot of the lessons that I've learned here at Vector. Outstanding. Scott, thank you so much for what you just shared right there. I think that that was so insightful and so valuable uh, for people to be able to hear. Scott, uh, just uh, in, in wrapping up, uh, you know, under the theme or banner of changing lives, um, you know, as you look ahead in your career uh, and in your life, any other ways uh, among all of what you just shared, any other ways that uh, you aspire to change people's lives through your work or through your influence? You know, we spent some time as a division manager team working on our purpose statement over the last uh, couple of years. And what we came up with, it's uh, really simple. Our mission statement in our organization is to build and develop great people. It's to build and develop great people. And yes, we want to sell a lot of knives along the way, but that's not what defines us. What defines us is what we do for people at all levels in the business. I know it may sound a little cheesy, but it's not about the knives. It's about changing lives. And for our young people, uh, we give them a platform to go out of their comfort zone, do things they would never, never get a chance to do and experience growth along the way. And my hope is that through their association with our company, our people will go through a journey of self-discovery and gain more clarity of who they are and what they're meant to do in this world. Ultimately, I want to see us help our people get closer to achieving their dreams, whether that's in the business or out of the business. Along the way, I take really seriously our role as leaders to be mentors in this critical stage of our people's lives. We are impacting and developing the next generation of leaders in this country. Uh, when you really think about it, there's not a single entity. There's no other university in America that comes in contact with as many students as we do on an annual basis. Mm -hmm. And through our leadership academy and the unique real world experiences we provide, uh, we are impacting lives. And for me personally, Dan, my, my number one core value is my faith. And so uh, as a Christian leader, I have an opportunity to really live out my faith and be a strong witness to those that I lead, which is very important to me. And I also take seriously uh, my responsibility as an executive to really fight to improve the opportunity for everyone in our organization. And that really fuels me as a region manager to push for progress, push for progress with programs, whether it's recruiting or sales or development, push for ways to enhance the 
experience for our district managers, for our branch managers, our CSPs, for our new reps. I want to see our new managers, our representatives benefit from the leadership uh, that our region manager team, that our DVM team are providing. And I'm also passionate about raising the standards of what we expect from our managers as we have higher caliber managers performing at a higher level. It'll elevate the experience for everyone else in the organization. And uh, we're starting to see that uh, in our region as well. So, Dan, we've got an amazing opportunity already, but I'm really excited to help create an even better vector and an even stronger uh, vector opportunity for, for everyone in the future. Scott, when I think of you, uh, one of the words I think about is intensity. I think everyone can sense the intensity that you bring to everything that you do just from this interview and a lot of things that you've said today. I also think of the word excellence just because you brought that as a sales rep, you brought that you know, as a college All-American, you brought that as a branch manager, district manager, division manager, executive. Uh, your level of excellence from sales rep to where you are now is unprecedented among anyone in the company that I've ever known. And I know that the famous Notre Dame football program has a motto, which is play like a champion today. And you, know, you truly have demonstrated that in every way in your life and in your business. And uh, I just want to acknowledge you for all the amazing things that you've brought. And thank you very much for your time uh, on the interview today, Scott. Thank you, Dan. And thank you for taking the time and initiative to put this together for, uh, for so many people in Vector and outside of our business as well. Thank you, Dan. All right. Outstanding. See you. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Scott Dennis, I think you probably got a lot of value out of what he just shared. I love where he talked about how his view of the world changed as he came up in his Cutco Vector experience. His view of the concept of security versus risk in particular was what he was referring to at that point. I love the quote from Marty Dimitrovich a name who has come up on multiple of these uh, podcasts, which is uh, do a little more than you have to. Do a little more than you have to. And, and, and the idea of pleasing methods versus pleasing results. And, and the concept there is that pleasing results should come before pleasing methods. A lot of times there's a lot of hard work that has to go in on the front end of something, priming the pump, as Zig Ziglar used to teach to be able to get things you know, up, ramped up to a level where you can have pleasing methods in addition to those pleasing results. Otherwise, you always feel like you're spinning your wheels. And of course, Scott talked about the concept of engineering people. I loved when he said, you know, his, his dad told him, you are an engineer, you're engineering people. And of course, this is something that the, the Vector Cutco organization has been able to do is to spin around this knife business into a people development business. And when you heard Scott talking about Larry Manley and about Andrew Evans and the things that they have demonstrated, they have exemplified, uh, you really realize you know, the, the level at which those individuals and so many others have been developed and engineered through their Vector Cutco experience. Uh, I'll leave you with this in honor of Scott Dennis and uh, University of Notre Dame. Play like a champion today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. 
For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.